Welcome back, guys, to another episode. So this one's for all the artists listening, especially those that believe LinkedIn is not really the place for you as an artist for advertising. This episode is to prove you wrong. We have a really esteemed artist with us today in studio, Adrian Owen. Welcome. And funny enough, I found him on LinkedIn of all places. Yeah, I actually I saw some of his work before LinkedIn. Go ahead. I can't believe it. <laughs> LinkedIn works. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. I remember you were telling me, Adrian, that um, it's when you did your website that the website designer was like, we need to create a LinkedIn profile for you. And you were a little bit hesitant. Well, you know, I, I think anyone in in uh, in the business sector, and, and I mean, art is part of the you know, I I don't only do fine art. I actually illustrate for for um, publishing companies and uh, film and advertising, and uh, it's it's almost imperative. But the way I understand it is, like any platform, it only works for you as much as you work it. So mm-hmm. you you have to apply yourself to yes. to you know the the platform. You got to use it. You got to post. Yeah. You got to get involved. You. <clears throat> excuse me yeah you got to be there to you know make it happen and um yeah it's it's definitely not on the top of my list of platforms to to get involved <laughs> in. it's really well. actually a typical case of artists having to um uh self um, motivate the mm. the marketing aspect um yeah. you know generally speaking we we're doing all our own marketing so mm. um from that perspective uh it, it can get a little overwhelming there are so many platforms yeah. you got to you know obviously instagram is like your your first port of call nowadays yeah. and and that's um uh, obviously just shares off to facebook um mm-hmm. And, which I try and avoid at all costs, and then, <laughs> um, and, and and then you've got LinkedIn, and you've got all these other, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it it can get a little overwhelming to try and. But I do believe that mm. Meta has a suite now, and there are a couple of other, you know, mm. apps and platforms where you can you can actually Bring manage it all, it all in one place. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is more admin, which mm. isn't my strong suit. <laughs> And, is and it I think, yeah it's not many of our strong suits <laughs> no that's true and you know it'll be it'll be quite interesting to talk a little bit more about sort of that dichotomy between the the art the art side of the art business and the the marketing side of that of the art business but before we get into that let's let's turn the clock back a little bit just to get a little bit of the context a little bit of the background um you know i think there are a lot of people in our audience um that are either are fine artists or have a hobby in that in in one of the fine art spaces um and you know there's always that 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 voice in the back of your head that tells you you know this is not something you can take further you know you're not one of these famous people who can sell their their artworks and one of the things we found um as we've kind of been on this journey speaking to different creatives is that everybody starts out in different places but it's kind of that commitment to 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 their interest that kind of gets them across so can you share with us a little bit about kind of how you got into this space like is it something that you started all the way back in school is it a thing that you picked up later down the line where did the where did the creative journey begin for you um yeah so i've actually i've actually looked this up in terms of uh i've done a bit of searching online for the 
for a thesis on on the DNA dynamic, the actual mm. DNA dynamic of autistic inheritance, um, mm. because I, I've tried, I've actually really tried really hard to try and work in other fields and in in other industries, and always mm. come back to art as a, wow. a as a port of call. I mean, I when I say I've tried, I mean, you know, I just have to be an artist and 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 it's almost as if the the universe itself has dictated even when i've had i've had some wonderful experiences uh, working on on yachts in the mediterranean and the caribbean and building boats and doing all kinds of interesting stuff but it wow. always came back to art and even on those experiences was drawing and it began for me way back in school and mm. um when I should have been doing mathematics, uh, which I still can't do at all. <laughs> hey, hey. But, uh, <laughs> you're among friends. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, you're among friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, they, I can draw a perfect circle uh, with my hand. So, and I can draw a perfect line. And I, and and weirdly enough, I I I, I can draw a square um with with a, a pencil and ruler and if you went and measured just freehand and if you went and measured from point to point to point to point it's almost always within Crazy. within a multi within a million you know like i can draw a perfect square so like mm. i have a and i interestingly enough i also do architectural uh, renderings for i do renderings for architects wow. so I, sure, yeah sure. freehand uh, drawings <laughs> of buildings and freehand uh, wow <laughs> yeah 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 so sure. um uh, and I've always had an interest in architecture, and uh, mm. and um, and I've designed buildings uh, that I, I built. Yeah, also um, in one instance, a building I designed in a diary, just so that I could illustrate to a bunch of people in the drawn sky what I had in mind. And we used that drawing to actually build the drawing uh, to to wow. as, a, as a basis for building the drawing. So. Sure. I have a technical sure. mind, but I, but when I was supposed to be focused on maths, I was normally <laughs> pretending to be focused on maths and scribbling in my book. And my first, um, yeah. my or first, or rather applying it more in a in a in a better way. Maybe. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, yes and no, because while the. Math teacher was going on about maths. I was drawing falling angels, and because um, <laughs> okay. in Bible education at that particular time in my life, I there were all these translations of stories, and you know, so you, mm. you had all these religious stories, and and I would take them literally. You know, the the, the archangels mm. of heaven were. I, I don't really know the story, but they were basically. I think they were banished, and they were. You know, mm. they fell into the molten lava of hell is what I remember the story being. They were banished mm. and fell from the heavens into hell. And and while the story was being told, I imagined this image and, and I, wow. I drew these like I, I drew these angels and at the top of the the page they, they, they were whole and they had wings and as they flew they started falling and they the feathers started falling from their wings and as they got closer to the molten you know lava they they became more skeletal and then you know a couple of them plopping into the molten lava of hell and wow. um 
someone someone at the school i was in high school and it would have been i was 15 years old and it was my first mm. sort of 15 minutes of fame if you you know Andy yeah. Warhol's 15 minutes of fame and it was my first sort of moment of like and someone thought it was like the best thing ever and took it uh, down to the library made 200 copies and Jeez. dispersed it through the school um, which resulted in me being called into the headmaster's office and having to see the school psychologist for the next two months <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Wow, yeah, yeah it didn't that, turn out the way I thought that story would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they thought that I might be, you know, oh, interesting. Yeah, not not religious. So um, <laughs> dabbling yeah, in yeah. extracurricular yeah. activities. Yeah, it, there was, you know. Anyway, so yeah, that's where it, that's where it began, and um, and then and then. Uh, I just yeah. scribbled always like I, I it was a it was a means to an end for me it was a way to sort of translate thoughts into in, in and and I just I scribbled I I I, mm -hmm. I used to dibble and dabble yeah I, I, I'm just wondering because you know what you're what you're describing is a is a very vivid image and you know I mean especially in my schooling time I was also pretty interested in art specifically pencil drawing and I think one of the things I struggled with is I, I struggled very much to visualize images I could almost like describe an artwork to myself and then draw it but I couldn't actually picture the image you know like I didn't have an image in my mind that I was sort of trying to create can you talk a little bit and like at that point in time like did you did you already know that you had an, a, like a little bit of a gift in art or was it kind of more just sort of feeling your way through the, the, the kind of like the artistic process? I was completely winging it. I mean, it was just mm. really, I, I was a child who, who I mean, 15, 14, 15, I, I'd always, uh, you know, had an inclination, but I'd never been encouraged. And, mm. and even as a young professional, um, uh, my father um, bless his heart right now is actually uh, an illustrator himself um, but at the time I, I, I taught him how to illustrate uh, no way. yeah wow. uh, many many That's many years later like mm -hmm. a good mm -hmm. sure. yeah but uh, you know a decade or so before that um, more more than um, yeah he, he he was like yeah you need to get a proper job you know like you can't make a living mm -hmm. as an artist and, and he and he might have been right. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a Maybe tough yeah. gig. It's a tough yeah. it's a tough gig. Um, it, yeah. it really is a tough gig, um, but it's incredibly rewarding. And interestingly enough, yesterday I read an article. Um, as it turns out, uh, and and I know this as a matter of fact. I also was doing a bit of sleuthing last night uh, related to some work I'm doing and um, Aspire Auctions based in Johannesburg, I think, um, recently had some auctions and I, I'm, I'm working with a, an agent um, mm. at the moment um, and yeah, there is buckets and buckets and buckets of money to be made in mm. the industry. And if, mm. if it, it, it's it's a very convoluted and very interesting industry. So they mm. don't let anyone tell you, you can't make a living as an, in the sure, art world. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a multi, multi, multi billion dollar yeah. pound euro yeah. industry. Yeah. It's, you know, I think, 
even more so now and it's going to increase because of the space we are with technology and what people are starting to value more and less in the world of digital, non-digital, physical, non-physical, self-created, machine-created, all of those things. It mm. it does definitely, for me personally, I've started valuing um, art pieces created by local artists a lot more than than any other things. So... Yeah, I can well, understand that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like uh, I went to an exhibition just um, the, the, two nights ago and, and it's the first time I've ever seen AI developed um, mm. artwork on exhibition at an mm -hmm. exhibition. Um, interesting. So, yeah, really interesting. But to get back to Alfie's question, mm. Mm. I, yeah. I used I used art at the time because I, I was young and my parents had divorced um, and it was a... An, a messy thing mm. there was a mm. lot of emotional stuff going on oh, wow. yeah. you know which i mean come on we were all teenagers and teenagers yeah. mm -hmm. the teenage years are tumultuous years yeah. you've got hormones kicking left right and center you you know it's, there's a lot going on um, <laughs> yeah. but it just happened to coincide with my father getting remarried uh, and being displaced and going to an agricultural boarding school in the middle of freaking nowhere. Um, wow. So um, young artistic inclination, you know, inclined mm. person at a agricultural boarding school in the Northern provinces. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was, and it was, it was a tough, rough school. And, um, mm. but uh, looking back, it was a, an interesting time, but it was, for me, I think it's different for very different people, like the actual artistic process. So it's going to be mm -hmm. very different. So, someone like you, for instance, might struggle to visualize. You could describe the image, but then to make the image might be harder for you to do. But um, whereas in my case, it was a case of actually having these images in my head that needed to be mm -hmm. uh, yeah. needed to be like get out and be visualized. But it yeah. also became a form of uh, a cathartic process for me. Mm. I, I used it as a means of um, yeah. expressing emotional stuff. So yeah. lots of, yeah. you know, angry teenage angst, uh, if you yeah. will, coming out in those drawings. Um, and, and right from the onset, uh, looking back now, as I talk about it, it, it had a lot to do with... Um, the human dynamic as yeah. opposed to I had let, I wasn't so much drawn to objects or mm. uh, realism in terms of yeah. flowers, plants, landscapes, mm. that kind mm. of thing. It was all very figurative. So each mm. person's obviously going to, mm. you know, that's, that's the beauty of it. Everyone's going to find some yeah. niche, some form, mm. like some way through um, the creative process, but yeah. so, uh, I've got it. Uh, sorry, Stephanie, I've got a young woman in my life at the moment mm -hmm. who is 18 mm -hmm. years old and um, has a, a lot of talent. She's still mm -hmm. in high school. She's um, and j just on this note of where it begins for everybody, mm -hmm. I, I've, I look. She shows me her drawings, and um, yeah. she's way and above where I was at at 18 mm. and she's like no she looks at my work now and she's like no ways and i'm like dude I, seriously if i showed you what i was doing at 18 you would laugh mm. you know like it was so rudimentary i had 
I think I had one year of art in high school um, in matric. Mm. Uh, that was it. And 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 the art teacher was very uninterested in technique and style. Mm. And it, she was just doing a job and she just had to get us through the syllabus. And it was like, okay, go do this and go do that and good luck. And um, mm. so we kind of winged it. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's really... It's practice. It's practice. Anyone can mm. be an artist if they, if they, it's actually almost like you, you, there, there are two aspects. You either have a very natural inclination for it and natural talent, um, which is inherent, in, which is what I think is my case. Like I just mm. have it. My grandmother um, was a, was a watercolorist. My father and his brothers all had artistic inclination, despite never becoming wow. professional artists themselves. Um, mm. they had artistic inclination. Um, my, my eldest, uh, uncle sculpted a little, my youngest sure, uncle sure. did a bit of sculpting. Definitely in yeah. your blood. So it's kind of like a bloodline thing, which is actually very mm. interesting. As I was saying, and looking up a thesis yeah. in terms of DNA. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's like an inherent DNA dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. but then there, you know, there's so many other aspects to it, you know, and, yeah. um, but it doesn't matter where it comes from. If you have an inclination to make art or create art or be in the arts, it's really just a case of constant pursuit and practice. And, mm-hmm. and the, you, you're always going to start out at the beginning, basic rudimentary, it's like everything in life and which is mm. the wonderful thing about art because it's such a wonderful metaphor for, for life itself. Mm. And then you just practice, 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 you get better, better, better. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm self-taught. Sure. I've never, I've never been. Yeah. So, yeah. That's crazy. So, mm. you know, you mentioned this, uh, this 18 year old, uh, woman that you have that you, it sounds almost like an apprenticeship. So I'm sure we're going to talk about that because that topic alone <laughs> is going to make Alfie, as you can see, very happy. He's very interested in mentorship mm. and apprenticeship at the moment, but I actually want to take a moment and just pause because as you were speaking about your, um, your journey, I think it's worth honoring it as well in a way that you've mentioned very distinct moments where you were discouraged for your ability of creation and expression a few times now in your story. And it's very interesting for me that you kind of just kept going. You know, the first time was when you had to go see the school psychologist because your your piece was so amazing that it was sprayed through the school, but it was obviously deemed as something unnatural mm. or a little bit strange. So there was like discouragement. Then you had a little bit of turmoil in your life and that could have been another moment of discouragement, but you kind of use that as a tool to self-soothe. Then you went to a school where, again, it's not a very artistic school either. You said it was an architectural boarding school, so it's not a very... Well, agricultural. Like a group of it was agricultural. agricultural. Yeah, yes, we had to wake up in the morning school. at like four o'clock and go milk cows. Exactly. Right. So again, very, that could be a moment or an opportunity to be like, ah, let me focus on something else. And I mean, I've had that with myself as well. I did dancing for about 19 years of my life. And then when I was um, 19, just before I stopped, I had one bad experience with one specific ballet teacher and I walked out 
and I like threw my ballet shoes on the floor and I never looked back. And I was like one bad experience that discouraged me from the journey. And well, I there's think a, there's something. I'm, sorry, I'm really sorry to hear mm-hmm. that, but there's a pro, there was always pros and cons because yeah. um, at least you have nice toes. they were actually actually bleeding as i walked out of there and that's part of why i left yeah Um, Uh, yeah yeah. but i'm sorry to hear that (laughs) me too (laughs) no no i mean it it is i I have been discouraged and and Mm. and in fact you know even through school um it was you know why are you drawing you should be working you should be doing you know and i'm like and 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 it it's just misunderstanding because in 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 our sort of um, education system and you know teachers and people and it like in general like uh, people aren't very uh, particularly educated in that respect and 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 they teachers uh, you know no um, offense intended are are trained to do a specific thing and, and maybe it's just yeah. misunderstanding and miscommunication and, and you know, mm. they don't really understand. But every child and every person is going to find a different way to communicate. It could be dance. Mm. It could be a creative, uh, you know. Output, but when, yeah. when you're in school, dance doesn't apply in geography, you know, and, and mm-hmm. art doesn't imply in maths, you know, you have to do that task and that's the task you set. And so, you know, and they're not seeing the artistic side, but if they had let you dance at the back of the class during maths, you might've actually got it right because that expression and that self-realization mm-hmm. would have actually helped you. Like if they, mm-hmm. but you know, you've got to sit in a row, you've got to sit in the line, you've got to sit in the queue, you've got to stand in the line. And it's like, that's where, you know, but it's it's through those experiences that you you emerge. And I mean, it sounds like you pursued dancing, nevertheless. You know, it's like, um, yeah. Um, in my case, it was as I said, I, I've actually ended up trying to do other things yeah, because I yeah. thought that I had to. You know, mm. but uh, honest, quite honestly, by the time I was nineteen, twenty, twenty one. I had already decided that I was going to pursue art as a as sure. a means to an end. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it had to be a thing. You yeah. know? And, and and even since then, I must tell you that it doesn't get better. It gets harder <laughs> and tougher because um, it actually gets worse because now it you just gets worse. Decision. It really does, you know. Mm. But 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 wow. what what happens is that you just learn to deal with the the difficulties. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, the discu- yeah, the discouragement yeah. and the you know mm. the negatives, because mm. as you become a you know through my professional career as an artist, I've been rejected numerous times. Mm. You enter a competition, perhaps, which I, I don't actually do as a rule, but I did two days ago for the first time um, ever. Uh, mm. I entered the. Hold on, is there, there seems like there's a story behind there. Why <laughs> yeah, is that no. a rule? Well, I, I don't, as a rule, because um, I don't, I don't want to face the, okay, honestly, quite mm. honestly, like, I don't want to really be disappointed by mm. not, I don't need to win. But then I also feel like I don't need to prove myself. Like there's no necess- mm-hmm. there's no necessity for me to enter competitions. But it's actually quite important as a professional artist to do so every now and then. And because it it's um, yourself. 
you measure yourself. That's mm-hmm. it, Alfie. Mm-hmm. You know, you measure yourself. Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're putting yourself up against your contemporaries, and mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not really a case of who's better than who because art is so mm-hmm. subjective. It's not really mm-hmm. a case that the winner of the competition is so much better than you are at what you do. It's so subjective. You've got three judges, maybe, you know, who just, you know, randomly picked from Have, the exactly. Unif- and it's like, and, you know, and, it's and, the subject yeah, of the you know, it's, so, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so random. So, mm. um, but there's a point of, there's a point for me where, where I just felt like I, I don't really need to prove myself. It's, it's, you know, like a, and if I'm honest, I just didn't want to deal with the rejection of not being because it, mm. it's quite hard, you know. If you yeah, don't get into a competition, imagine. you start thinking mm. to yourself, and it is all related to self-esteem. I think for yeah. everybody, um, if you if you get rejected or you don't make it in, or you're like, mm. oh, is that because I'm, you know, bad mm-hmm. at what yeah. I do? Is that because my mm. work isn't good enough? Mm. Is that you know? So then you have to deal with all of that. So quite honestly, it's just easier not to enter. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I entered the Portrait Award this year. Really? The yeah, yeah, the big uh, the Rustin Frieda Portrait Award. It's like the Ew, it, wow. It, it's the premier. I did it like two days ago. Actually, the deadline is today. Oh. The the 10th of June is the deadline. About two mm. or three days ago, I entered, and uh, yeah, it's the it's the premier portrait award of the in, in the country. It, it was initially mm. sponsored by Sunlum, and then. Um, mm. Uh, the Rupert Museum also sponsored it for a while. I think they might still be one of the sponsors, but yeah, it's run by the Rustin Frieda Gallery. Mm. Yeah, first prize is 150k, and uh, and, and then a th- second is 30, and third is 20. Sure. And yeah, there's a lot of prize money in it, and mm. there's also a trip to Barcelona for a two. Oh, wow. st- yeah, yeah. So like, sure. um, and and there's and there are like five or six other prizes as well for mm. so but it brings out the best in the best talent it brings out the yeah. best you know and actually just making it into the top 100 is an achievement on its own you know because you mm. that that goes into a catalog and yeah, uh, yeah. so anyway but uh three caution so, to the wind this year and i just yeah entered go for it I- so the, I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent. So I'm going to ask you to bear bear with me here. Um, and it's an interesting story that I heard about. I think it's about Da Vinci. I hope I'm not wrong. Um, but there's there's this idea about like his the the demons, and I think there was eventually a, a show made about it. But it's this idea that he, like he almost had this this voice that would tell him to like to pursue specific artistic endeavors, whether it's a, a specific idea of a thing to create something to design, but it was like this voice that he had to, he had to obey. And in its obedience, he would create specific, specific works of art. Now, I don't think necessarily, but necessarily everybody is that, um, let's say literal in, in how they receive their creative inspiration. But one of the things that I think is interesting which kind of w- was brought to mind when you were talking about your perspective about the competitions is like one of the things that a competition does that gets in the way of the artistic expression that it it forces you in some or it, it at least tempts you to to s- almost like subjugate the art to the competition because one of the things especially as I've kind of gotten a little bit older and read a lot about symbolism and 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 more about some of the the 
let's say, scientific elements of creativity, it's become more and more clear that it's, it's almost a way of seeing the world. And then in the actual expression, you're, you're almost seeing the world in a specific way and communicating it with a language that isn't, you know, verbal. And so when I think about the yes. context of a com competition versus creating a piece of art outside a competition, when you're in the competition, you're so tempted to try to win that you might do things that you know are not true to the artwork. But when you're sort of doing it outside of that context, and in a sense, the art is coming first, mm -hmm. you make decisions, whether it's about the stroke or the medium, because of the, the piece that you're trying to bring into the world. And I don't know if, if um, every, every artist, especially in your earlier years, can, can participate in a competition without almost... Yeah. doing the art itself a disservice. I don't know how, like, if, if you had any thoughts along yeah. those lines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I totally get what you're saying. I think some people will definitely, um, the same can be said for, for group exhibitions or exhibitions where an artist is invited possibly to participate in a group exhibition, which might have a title. So uh, my first uh, group show after nearly 10 years of not really being involved, but I'd become a young dad um, and my key focus was uh, on my young son and uh, I, I wasn't really taking myself seriously as a fine artist and um, had just broken my heart, uh, was heartbroken, uh, having ended a relationship, was flopping about in, in Cork Bay, walked into a, a gallery, an artist-run gallery, um, and uh, a, a wonderful artist, her name's Donna McKellar, and she had a gallery um, uh, in Cork Bay at the time. And she looked up from her laptop and said, can I help you? And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm just uh, having a... a a look and she said oh uh do you have a website what do you what do you do and i said uh you know yeah i i, I have you know i was all <laughs> classic said, artists yeah. trying to sell themselves <laughs> yeah yeah really really good selling selling today and i was like yeah you know uh adrianown.co.za because also you know the website's never good enough never mm. you know, yeah, for me anyway it, like it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a transformative thing. It's yeah. constantly needing attention. It's got to be polished. It's got to be clean. Yeah. It's got to be... Anyway, so she looks at it, opens it up, and she goes, oh, wow, you know, obviously. And, she, like, because, you you know, self-esteem, like, uh, and she's mm. like, oh, wow, geez, you, you, you're not so bad, you know. Um, mm. And she said, look, I'm, I'm throwing a, a, a... Maybe it was um, intuitive on her part, Um and she she sent something and she said, I'm, I'm putting a group show together. Would you be interested in, in, in being involved? And I was like, I, I just said yes. You know, I, I, I just, I, maybe I didn't think, maybe it was, mm. you know. But coming back to Leonardo and Da Vinci and um, Michelangelo, uh, Michelangelo, mm. the man. I mean, geez, mm -hmm. talk about rock star. Um, <laughs> and... Oh, yeah, she's incredible. And uh, um, coming back to that, uh, but staying on track, mm. I got involved and, and uh, she said the theme for the group exhibition was skullduggery. 
Uh, skullduggery is is underhandedness by definition. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it originated in the sort of 18th century. It's uh, apparently it has some ties to pickpocketing. Like skullduggery, mm. skullduggerous behavior is like pickpocketing yeah. or, or doing under the table dealings. Politicians are very well known for skullduggerous behavior. They do mm-hmm. you know under the table underhanded dealings. Dealing. <laughs> underhanded <laughs> dealings is and. Mm. Um, in a nutshell, to make a long story short, the work I produced over the next three months or so, because I had about that long, um, is is a, is seminal in my in my over. It, it, it's mm. like it's. Uh, um, I still own them because mm. they are too personal for anyone to have purchased. Although yeah. um, uh, some art collectors came through uh, my open studios a year or two ago. And they they bought prints. Um, they insisted, wow. and I did mm. the first um, edition of prints for them. Sure. They Amazing. now live in the states, um, but they are seminal pieces in my portfolio. And I've mm. had people walk in and hear the story related to the artworks and and uh, burst into tears and cry. And um, mm. people are moved. Uh, um, in fact, last year at the Open Studios, uh, a couple of friends of mine, two women that I I'd surf with on a regular basis, walked in, and as I, they walked in, as I was telling some guests what the artworks were about, and mm. the one uh, just just bur- like you could see, she literally just sort of had a bit of a moment and just bolted. And they and I, I said, "Are you guys all right?" Afterwards, I got hold of them. I said, "Everything okay?" And she said, "No." She, the, the story and the work had hit her so hard that she had had a like a a moment. It was yeah. a trigger. There were a lot of triggers for mm. her, you know. Um, mm. And yeah, so on the note of of the competitions and and being called to do the work and how it affects you yes definitely but in all of those aspects it's really a case of how much you as an artist are going to bend yourself to you know to the to impressing people or how true you're going to stay to yourself Mm. and in that particular instance with my first it was literally my first group show um uh, in Cape Town, and it was essentially thanks to Donna inviting me to be part of wow. that exhibition, the beginning of the story for me here in Cape Town as a professional oh. artist. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. and I stayed true. I I drew what what I didn't care what people were going to think. I didn't care for. I wasn't. I used the platform or the invitation to be part of that exhibition as a as a cathartic process to my mm. own emotional and psychological uh, state of mind and place. And, and I, I, there was nothing political about uh, my artwork at all in terms of the skullduggery. I played on the skullduggerous nature of the human mind and the human heart. I played on the own skullduggerous nature of my own, my own heart and the choices that yeah, I make mm, as an yeah. artist. And so that, and that translated through the work. Going back to um, Michelangelo, Alfie, uh, Mm. there's a, I think for some people, but not for all people, but for a lot of artists and for all of us in, 
I, I can't speak for everyone, but from my point of view, in my opinion, uh, mm. Michelangelo, for instance, would have tapped into the Akashic record, and mm. and he, you know, that that connection to to everything that is before mm. and after that universe. Mm. You know, looking looking back at Michelangelo's place in life, yeah. could Michelangelo Bonarati have been anybody else mm. other than who he was? Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Like in the grand yeah. scheme of things, yeah. there had to be a Michelangelo. There had yeah. to. Was, it was had a combination of many things. Yeah, it yes. was a culmination of the universe working in its divine yeah. grace to kind of make mm-hmm. that man who he was, the creative that he was. You've just got to find yourself in that space. You've got to tap into it. You've got to find your way into it. You've got to believe that you, mm. you know, like are kind of part of that dynamic. And if you hear a call, if there's some part of you that says, "Oh, you should draw." You should sculpt. You should maybe turn that block of wood into something. Maybe you should just get up and dance. Mm. That's the definitive moment between mm. making you a dancer or making you as someone who sits on the sidelines. Because if you yeah. just yeah. if you don't listen to the voice and you go, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just going to sit here. Then you you've missed the opportunity and you haven't listened to that voice. But I think that mm. that voice is is within us. And what what's happened to me through my life is it's been almost impossible to ignore. That's that's why I believe me. I promise you. I sometimes look at my own life and go, Oh my word, <laughs> I'm a professional <laughs> artist. <laughs> you know, oh, what I a beautiful moment a, when that yeah, happens. Yeah, like I mean, this is this is what I do. I walk into the yeah, studio and I'm like, Hey, this yeah. this is what I do. This is what I am. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I could have been a baker, a shoemaker, mm-hmm. a yachtsman. You know, because mm-hmm. I actually yeah. have tried. Uh, as I said, I, I did some yachting. Yeah. And I uh, ended up sailing in the Caribbean. And if I had pursued mm. that, I could be sailing around the world and have stayed a, a yachty. You know, I could have you know, yeah. become a yachtsman. But even as a yachtsman um, on yachts, I was painting in the inside <laughs> of the yachts. I, would, I have friends who sold a yacht. They owned a yacht that I painted inside. They took all the ace. They took oh, wow. everything I painted sure. in the yacht and put it into their new yacht. They <laughs> they, they are now sailing okay. around the, the, the Australia and New Zealand. They're moving around, and and they have in the yacht uh, the medicine cabinet that goes about. Mm-hmm. The, I painted it. Um, I did an elaborate painting. Sure. They sealed it, varnished it, and. They now travel. It goes with them wherever they sure. go. Yeah, and that amazing. was about 25, yeah. 24, 25 years ago that I painted that. That's crazy. Thing. Sure. Yeah. Oh, what a nice memorabilia. So, <clears throat> sorry, there's just a quick thing that I just want to almost, um, I want us to just appreciate for a moment because I think one of the big um, critiques or hesitations that people might have about art is, what its value is in the real world. You know, when you think about the engineers, you think about the architects, you think about the shoemakers and the bakers and the yachtsmen, like they do a thing in the world that's very easy to kind of like, like it's very easy to see where the value is. See value, yeah. With art, it's a little bit more different because the value isn't self-evident. In a sense... Yeah, but the same... I I need to interject. 
I need to interject, Alfie, please, because because please. the same is the same is true of the architect. Okay, I yes, lived. Yes. I, sh- I shared mm. a house. I shared a house once with an architect. He was mm. he was a blunt tool. All right, he really was. I mean, the guy let some doofus off the street that I like. He let some guy walk in, and this guy said, "Adrian said I could stay here." I came home from a photo shoot for Nissan, and my my everything was gone. The, the guy cleared some random dude cleared me out, and this this blunt tool had let him in. And that architect is not that that, that is a measurable architect. That guy is going to be <laughs> renovating bathrooms for the rest of his life. You know what I'm saying? So yes, yes. It, it, it is actually measurable. It, it, the, 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 in architecture or in mm. all of those things, there's an entry point mm. and then there's the higher tier. You've yes. just got to decide like in so many respects. And I, I know it's, it's easier said than done. I know for some people it's harder than it is for others. With all due mm. respect, it's not going to be, you know, so easy. You don't just walk into it and just rise to the top. You know, it's it's yeah. hard work. Um, I've been yeah. a professional artist for a long time, and and there are days where I feel like I'm, you know, right down in the bottom tier. The bottom, yeah. um, but then the next day, I'll bump into someone. <laughs> I, I have professional artists who are on the top tier. And mm. they consider me to be more of an artist than they are. And mm. so it's so relevant and, and so yes. subjective. But yeah. um, I think what you were trying to say is, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I think what I, was, what I was getting at, because I, I think what you've mentioned is really right. I think what I was talking about was less about the profession and more about the output of the profession. So, for example, an architect puts a building into the world and this building is used for a business so that the business can work in that building, for example. Like an yes. artwork, it, it's like that part is not as evident and as tangible, right? But then when you're speaking about that story about you kind of doing a little painting inside this medicine cabinet, this is like a two, like a tiny little space in a yacht in the middle of the sea. In some sense, yes. you can think about it as almost irrelevant. But then the experience that a person ha- has when they lit simply open a cabinet and see an entire artwork there, that's actually the thing that, that's, that, that moment is the value that art brings. Yeah, and no, thing, it's amazing. And, and one yeah, of the yeah. reasons why I think art is so expensive is because it can keep creating that experience for every single person that looks at it. It's almost and especially the best valuable. work. <laughs> and when you talk about the the people like Michelangelo, the thing that makes him stand out is not the fact that of the piece that is there. It's the fact that every person that looks at that piece has a transcendent experience. Yeah, and that to me well. is really what's at the center of, of, of what makes art valuable. And, you know, I think it's one of the questions that I always wrestled with when I was trying, like, you know, when I was exploring my, 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 my path as an artist and in the space of drawing, like I, all, the, the question of what is the value of art, I could never really come up with something tangible. And I think it was only in my later years, once I started reading a little bit about some symbolism and like the, the, the business of art that some of these maybe more abstract values started to come become visible I don't, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that on that specifically about the transcendent experiences in art i absolutely do because um it's made me 
it's shaped me. It's made me the man I am. Those transcendent experiences, when I say the man I am, I mean the person. The very nature of myself has been as a result of every little sketch and scribble that I've done myself. And then I remember as a teenager, Salvador Dali, obviously mm. everybody knows old Salvador, you know, but there was something for me specifically that resonated with me on such a deeper level with regards to his work. And, um, and yes, uh, for me, the arts are, are, are such a vital part of human development and human, uh, ex well, human development, the, the actual nature of humans has developed mm. through art and architecture and dance and music. And um, I've always thought that music is so powerful. Uh, I, I, I ne I'm never without it. I, I, when I'm working, I always have music in the background and um, it's so powerful. You know, it is a transcendent thing. It, it reaches yeah. into you. It tickles mm -hmm. the heart. It tickles the mind. It, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a transcendent thing. And that's what all this art is. Um, every little sketch, and, and I can actually, on, on the shelf behind me um, mm -hmm. and, and in, a, in a box in, in, in the house, I have piles of diaries. And every little scribble has been a, a transcendent experience because it's the, the very nature of drawing it is, uh, and or just expressing it or yeah. or trying to draw it out of the paper, yes. like getting this pen and, <laughs> and trying to make this thing happen or just aggressively attacking the paper is part of that experience. But mm. in, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell, yes, the, the artists of the world, the Michelangelo's of the world, the, the Picasso's, the Dali's, the, all of them, uh, just to name a few, uh, I recently watched um, uh, a very old one of the the, the first um, Van Gogh film made by. Um, um, it was based on I think James Michener. I think it might have been somebody that I think wrote a story uh, uh, about Van Gogh. A anyway, I mean, you know, what an incredible story, you know, like mm. uh, to have never sold an artwork all his life. But he only painted for 10 years of his life. He was dead by the time he was 30-something years old. Eh? Mm. And, um, and uh, yeah, you know, these marvelous artists, the – and then I think of some of the architects of the world who, who art is is such a key dynamic in the grand scheme of things. Scheme right things, now, yeah. though, in the world, um, it's even more important than ever, I think, because with the ad advent and advancement of technology and, and you, you've got, you know, capitalism, which is such a uh overbearing dynamic it's mm. all about money 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 and uh sales and you know uh, physical like you know Consumers. also with with the advent of of social media so many people in the world are pursuing this westernized yeah. dream of accumulation so you you know cap the capitalists are, are coining because 
um, which is why art is so important still, because you want those transcendent aspects. The you want mm -hmm. humans to, even if they don't know it, um, to be to be spiritually, psychologically, you know, lifted and and drawn mm -hmm. into experiences that that actually tune them in to the, the the grand scheme of creativity, if you will, like. You know, nature in yeah, itself yeah. is is the same. Nature is the greatest artist of all because it creates this, you know, ever ever obvious, like amazing sort of life that we live, which is kind of like art in so many ways. Art is transcendent. Yes, it is a lot diff more difficult to to get a, a grip on, um, which mm. is why it's so important that people should go to art galleries and they should go and see yeah. art. South African culture, sadly, is not designed for it. It's not really a key dynamic. Um, uh, South Africans are not that way inclined. It's not. Um, they are. It's. It's still a young um, demographic. It's still a young uh, aspect in this. You know, there is a strong uh, art. Um, world in South Africa, very strong, but comparatively speaking, it's mm. not as well supported as it, yeah, you know, as it is in Europe. Mm. Europe art abounds, you know, uh, it, it, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's in the, it's actually in the architecture, you know, like there's art everywhere, yeah. you know, whereas in yeah. South Africa, so it's, it's no, not as present. We don't have too much time left, but I really want to ask a question that, um, that's been sitting with me for a while. And it takes me back to the story you told about um, when you walked into the gallery in Cock Bay and, you know, you were asked to join this group exhibition and the space that you were in in your life at the moment, you were going through a heartbreak and then you did these pieces for this exhibition that are now some of the most precious pieces for you and they have so much value personally um, and it sounds like they create such a emotive experience for other people viewing them as well. Now I personally have always been interested in the notion of the suffering artist. I think um, personally, I, I I used to be a pencil artist as well in school, and then it kind of became more digital. And that's I still find that same level of satisfaction and expression in product design and app design, crafting uh, digital experiences and digital things. But when I look through my journey, and I've noticed this a few times, when I've been when I've been in a state of suffering in my life, any type of suffering, any level of emotional displeasing experience, I have had access to more creative power than when I'm not in those states. And then you read these theses and papers about the suffering artists and you look at some of the, the greatest artists of our time who generally find themselves in a state where they are experiencing some type of emotional or physical pain and they create these really historical pieces or they become historical figures. And I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, but I'm personally interested in your experience. I don't know if it's because... For me, I have access to a broader spectrum of emotions when I'm either going through a breakup, heartache, pain, grief, or something like that. And that broader spectrum of emotions leverages itself to be 
creative, creatively powerful, almost more so than when I'm not in that experience. So I want to hear from you, like being a fine artist and you've been one now for so long, so you can actually reflect a little bit more and share your experience of the times in your life where you've had a little bit of dips. Do you feel like the work is different that's come out of there in the value for you, the value for others and the experience creating them versus the ones when you're not going through like a little turbulent part of your life? Absolutely. No, no question at all. It's, you know, it's been argued that um, I've had a couple of people in my, like my closest people say that I, I might, you know, jokingly, almost sort of tongue in cheek suggested that, that because I've had, I've never really had a relationship that lasted more than two years, mm. but that's because, you know, they weren't meant to be. That that that, that, that <laughs> you know, it's 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 not. Um, you did yeah, it on purpose. <laughs> it's not like I did it on purpose, um, but yeah. the argument was that I did, and and jokingly, <laughs> you know, I got a couple of close yeah. friends, and they're like, actually, Adrian, I think you know you might be addicted to the heartbreak, you know, like you make it happen, like you uh, yeah. you self sabotage the relationship because. And and I've actually found myself sitting there thinking, I wonder how 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 right that could be. Maybe, mm. maybe, maybe. I've you had know, the maybe, same experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Mm. So maybe I do self sabotage, and um, and absolutely, humans in their most darkest hour, that's when they're challenged. You know, they really are. Like mm. it's almost mm. as if you know. We're also in a meditative state then, right? Because you're so hyper vigilant and aware of your own suffering that yeah. this hyper vigilant creates almost like a flow state. We we try and get into as creatives, but it's more easily accessible almost. Yeah, but it's also a cathartic process mm -hmm. of 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 yeah. ringing it out, eliminating it because mm -hmm. intrinsically you don't yeah. want to feel that way. You yeah. you love and happiness is what is what you know, you're looking for is what you're looking for and and ironically and incidentally at the same time like coincidentally like you know the the, the idea is that you you start drawing you start working you start processing the heartache the the dark you know depths of your own soul and and mm. because you're actually digging deeper into yourself to find where you lost the joy, where it went wrong, what, you know, like, so those dark moments, those uh, depressed mm. states are, life is ebb and flow. It is. It's yeah. ebb and flow. It can't always be flow. It has to ebb and flow. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. The, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. Life is the same. You have these mm. happy moments and you have these challenging and sad ones and then you have these happy moments. If it was just a plateau of, you know, easiness, you know, what would it be worth? So, mm. you know, when you're in those dark moments. But, yes, from my point of view, the best work I've ever created was when I was challenged to do it under duress or some kind of experience you know like mm. um that that draw that draws you to it you you find yourself like the skullduggery pieces for instance mm. i mean 
that was real self evaluation there was mm. there was so much heart and soul that went into those pieces because it was a it was a means to actually in a nutshell i wasn't i wasn't looking back in a depressed state yeah sure i was heartbroken at the time but i was i was drawing myself out of it literally drawing mm. with a pencil i was literally mm. pulling myself mm. out and and, and yeah and like self it's it's self evaluation which is what art is so good for in so many ways i mean aside from keeping your hands busy and your eyes busy and your brain ticking over and all the you know multiple physical things that it does for you on a positive note it's also such a re- revelation of yourself yeah. to yourself which is so great mm. yeah i just had like a little bit of a uh, aha moment as you were speaking because I was I was thinking about Steph where you started with that question you know kind of when your life is in this sort of negative state it almost puts you in tune with a different kind maybe it's a different kind of flow state than when you're happy and then when I was kind of listening to what you were speaking about Adrian it is like it's the process of actually creating the art that that draws you out of that negative experience and then I think, you know, maybe maybe the thing that makes that kind of art valuable is that it's the fact that it's documenting a person's experience from being into a negative space, going through the, the cathartic process. And, you know, it may not necessarily solve your problem, but it at least puts you in a place that you've that you've you've given it a place in your mind and you've given it you've given it enough form so that it isn't this like formless negativity. And maybe that's actually what it that's what draws people to it. Because I think one of the things I found is when I'm in a bad mood, like, or having a negative experience, darker art speaks to me. Like the ones that are actually exploring or those types music, of subject yeah, matter. Or any type yes, of... Yes, yes, yes. Hmm. And, and, and as the audience, what you're almost doing is you're partaking in that experience with the artist. Although it's at a different point in time, you're still, in a sense, following that same sort of cathartic journey. And maybe that's kind of... What because I think that type of art also speaks to people in another way, like in, in a way that's different from just a landscape that's that's well rendered and, and is hyper realistic. Like those types yeah, yeah. of artworks are good, but they're good for a different reason. Yeah, because this this European couple walked into one of the it walked into my house. The skullduggery pieces mm. are up on above the couch. The, the, there's only two mm. of them. The, the third one's quite um, uh, sexual in nature, mm. and and could be a bit much for some, you know, for the grannies and aunties and children. So I, mm-hmm. I don't pull it out. Um, uh, interestingly enough, though, on one occasion, I did have a bunch of grannies in the house and I told them that there was a third piece and it was quite sexual. And they were like, bring it out, bring it out. We want to see it. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. Um, mm. And I had this European couple and, and, um, in fact, I could tell you multiple stories about people who have looked at the skullduggery pieces and immediately think that they're very dark, that they are gothic, that they, because they're skulls. There's like all these skulls floating mm. around the guy's head. It's just like death. It like it. When you see a skull, what do you think of? Yeah. Death. You know, like yeah. the, the guy died. A skull is you know universally accepted as a. Well, I mean, you either think of death or you think of pirates, one of the two. But, I mean, you know, pirates <laughs> bring death, you know, pirates bring death, skull, you know. But mm. 
when I start explaining that the skulls are representative of, because all the skulls are the same to some degree, and they're floating around the, the, the guy's head uh, in general. Some of them are actually just, they, they look like masks. It's just the front of the mm. skull. It's like a skull mask. Um, and when I explain that the mask is the sort of the the revelation, like you're pulling the mask off your face, it's the, you know, stripping the ego, if you will, from mm. revealing the true self. Um, yeah. And that the skulls are, are representative because the skull, you know, from a literal point of view, the skull is where protects the, the brain, protects the brain, which makes mm. the choices, which makes the decisions, mm. which is where the conscious and unconscious choices are housed. It's the mm. library mm. of of choice. You know, it's like mm. so those those skulls are representative of all the choices that you've made or decisions that you've made uh, in these particular pieces, for instance, that despite having made the choices, made the ch decisions, moved on with your life, are still, you, you, even, if you, even if you made a really stupid choice, which, you know, everyone does, we all make stupid choices at some point, and you take that choice, that skull, for instance, and you bury it in the ground because you don't want to face it, it's still there. It's still <laughs> going to be there. Yeah. In fact... If you took the skull and you crushed the skull and you turned it into dust, it's still there. It, that choice mm. was made, that part of your life. So that's what those skulls floating around mm. his head were indicative of, about subconscious and conscious choices, about spiritual choices, everything that we've done in our lives. And, and, and the first piece is this guy who's like literally got his heart in his hands and he's kind of looking at his own, he's regarding his own hand, heart. And, it, and then... And then you see this look of expression come over their faces and go, oh, yeah, like that totally makes sense. Like I completely get it. But their first impression is like man pulling his heart out of his chest with death around him, you know, when actually mm. it's, a, it's a drawing of a person who is deeply self-regarding his choices, you know. So like... It it, it 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 that's like what you said earlier mm. the transcendence of art like you know mm. you, you see this eureka moment come over people's faces and go but but then i must say i've actually had some people walk in and go is he thinking about all the decisions and choices he's made in his life while he looks at his heart and thinks <laughs> and i'm like yeah that's exactly what he's doing you know so you know it's it's so subjective and that's what's so magical yeah. about it because i mean every year that we open the studios for the comicy open studios um i think it's the first weekend of december every year uh there are mm. about 23 24 artists in in this in comicy where i live um seaside town of comicy and um and uh they do it in River Castile as well. It's become a bit of a thing. These like I didn't know that. This is so cool. Yeah, now it's that like I live in Cape Town. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's something that uh, I know. River Castile. I don't know if there's. It's called Solo Studios or Open Studios. Yes. And and mm. all the artists in the community get together and for a weekend. Uh, the one in Rubik Castile is quite a thing. Um, here in Komiki, I think it'll be our fourth year this year that we've uh, been doing Amazing. it. And and we 
put artwork up and open the doors. The gates are open. The doors wow. are open. Oh, that's amazing. And there's a I sign outside. Um, there's an online platform as well where you can see all the different artists, what they have to offer. There's a map, digital map, and there's a physical map, like a little bit of a treasure hunt. Mm. And sure. you can you can... Oof. You can go from artist to artist, and there are printmakers and uh, like flamboyant flower painters and Mm. um, landscape artists and sculptors and photographers, and there are 24 uh, different artists, and um, you can walk into their houses, into their studios, see where they live, see how they live, uh, ask them endless questions. I had, wow. I mean, I did, imp- I did impromptu. Uh, every year I do like an impromptu lesson or two because I'll have wow. some kid or some teenager wow. or some young aspiring so, artist come through and say, so how do you how do you do that? How do you, and I'll go, mm. well, I mean, you know, I don't say, oh, it's really easy. You just go like this, you know, like actually, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you have to start here. And and in some cases, um, or in most cases, I, I end up giving stuff away like tools and I'm mm. like, here's a pencil and you'll need this and you'll need that and go off and good luck, you know, just that's keep amazing. going. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's every year. Uh, I think uh, our, our comic year is every first, I think it's the first weekend of every, uh, in December. And, um, yeah, and I have people coming through and it's just amazing to see how every everyone reacts. It's actually quite fascinating because, I, you know, I'll be standing in the corner and I'll see, you know, some person walk in and go, like, you can actually almost hear them, like, audibly go, Pff whatever you know like what is this stuff <laughs> yeah. you know like you see the expression on their face like they're like oh god no no absolutely not no I don't mm. like this stuff this is shit you know excuse my french <laughs> you know yeah. they're, they're like ah no doesn't work for me at all you know and out she'll go you know just literally like they walk in I, I, they in and out in seconds and i'm like you, yeah. you didn't even you didn't even like give it look. a chance yeah you didn't even give it a chance you know whereas i have other people i literally have had other people come back two days in a row and hang out for like an hour and a half to two wow. asking endless wow. questions and just like mm, you know mm, oh mm. this piece this piece this piece this piece is so amazing or that or whatever mm. last year some woman walked in and she walked out with a few thousand rands worth of art um, in one wow. particular it's just a print actually it was just a print oh. on canvas but it was still quite valuable and and she walked in and there was just some feeling that I it was like an intuitive thing and I, she just loved the work so much and I'd had it up on the wall for a couple of years um, everybody loves it. It's uh, it's the Arctic Turns. It's like this picture of birds, and it's it's a mm. flurry of birds, uh, like a, almost like a oh. murmur. Or it's it's really it's not a murmur. It's just a flock of birds, seagulls. The Arctic Turn. They're not really seagulls, but anyway, and they mm. it's birds. And she looked at it and she was like, "Oh my word! Oh my word!" And it was Sunday afternoon. I knew I wasn't going to make any more sales. It had been up on the wall. It doesn't really cost me that much. Like it's in inherent value. And I grabbed a pair of clippers and I walked towards it. And as I was doing that, I said, you can have it. And she said, what? And I said, yeah, you can have it. And, and I start clipping the, the strings off and I like 
take it down off the wall and I turn around and there's just tears running down her face and she was like wow. what and I was like oh, oh, no you can yeah. you can have oh. it you know like it's yeah. not yeah. it's not you know like for me it's just a print on canvas you know that has like mm. some monetary value but for this particular person it was like a turning point it's it was a like yeah. it was a real yeah. moment yeah. she mm. burst into tears and she yeah. gave me a hug and she was like oh my god thank you so much yeah. and then I heard some little a little bit of where she had been at and what was going on mm. in her life and it was like it was a really dark time in her life mm. and she went yeah. home with this beautiful picture of like birds and that's amazing you know yeah yeah sure goosebumps this is yeah, the yeah, power yeah. of the the artistic <laughs> endeavor like it's yeah, it's, yeah. its value is not on the canvas it's what it actually does to us um, Elfie, like, I, 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 I go from hand, I go from hand to mouth. <laughs> some months, I go from hand to mouth. I live as an artist, like really, like there are moments of like abundance, and and then there are other moments where like you, I, 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 you know, as it turns out, this year got off to a really slow start. January, February, March hadn't I had one commission, you know. Um, <coughs> Without a little bit of money in the bank, I wouldn't have made it through. It's a tough gig. It's hand to mouth. It's every day as it comes. It's every month. It's every due. You know, you just keep going. You're freelancing. So there's no salary. There's no mm. regular income. It's like you got to, you know, go. I've always been okay one way or the other. My son will always remind me when he sees me getting a little bit stressed and I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know if I'm going to make the Jews this month. And he's like, dad, come on. And he's, he's 16 now. But even at 12 and 13 and 14, he was like, dad, come on. We've always been okay. And he's right. Oh. We've always been okay yeah. one way or the yeah. other. Somehow yeah. something happens. You just got to have, I know it sounds a uh, bit of know, faith. You no. just got to have faith and it actually kind of works itself out. But you cannot sit back on your laurels and just yes. have faith. You've got to stand up <laughs> yes. and you've got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Get you anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to be in this. You've got to yeah. like get yourself to the table and you've got you to do the work um, and just do a little bit of work and just like have mm. faith. And, and it's, it's a case of providence. I mean, there's this incredible mm. quote that I like uh, so much, but it's, it's, it's as soon as you start applying yourself, things come together in a way that begin to it's providence you know you yeah. if Luck you want to be an art it's just yes exactly <laughs> it's it's providence mm -hmm. and and if you if you're yeah. in that space you know um but what i was going to say on that note was that um i have been paid a lot of money for artwork but the money doesn't matter nearly as much now, ever, always. In fact, for many, many years, I, I have seen tears flow through the people I've done artwork for. I, I've done portraits and given gifts to. I've helped people give gifts to their beloveds, and mm -hmm. and then I've been there and I've seen and witnessed these moments. The money. Ask me where the money is. Okay. It's gone, bro. It's like, I don't know where it went. It, like, in fact, I can tell you that it was probably spent before I even received it. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, God, bro. Like, oh, thank you for the 
balance of whatever you owe me gone straight off yeah. to debt, you know, yeah, like yeah. landlords and freaking whatever, mm. you know. But the memory of standing in that uh, gallery with those with those particular clients and with the people I have in mind, and and even as I say it, I'm just getting like flashes, and you know, mm. there's just multiple, um, you know, uh, and uh, will stay with me forever, like tears, shaking, like this couple who lost their son, and I did the por- a portrait, and it's definitely one of the better portraits I've done. Of of the son and and her and the mother, the father commissioned me, and um, mm. the, he he had had a degenerative disease, and um, he died at like twenty one, twenty two, twenty three years old. Um, he succumbed to this degenerative disease, and um, and you can imagine this family. Uh, it was their only son, and you can imagine that they had gone. He was supposed to be dead at like ten, but he survived, yeah. and he just and and and, uh, and and you can imagine the amount of love and compassion and mm. the the trial and the tragedies and the you know and the and all of this and then this painting this drawing that I did this and at quite large scale it was almost life size and it was beautiful wow. and I, I I knew the story I knew what had mm. to be done and. And I overextended myself. I took it to the next level. The money while I was drawing didn't matter to me because I knew where the value was. Also, sometimes when people commission me to do a portrait, as was the case recently with my last portrait, I look at it and I go, okay, so they've given me, say, you know, whatever the budget is, let's say 10K, you know, like that's... Mm. I've already forgotten about the value of the work because I'm looking at the piece and I'm going... This is going to be so cool. It can, it can, I can, I can stop at 10K in terms of mm. the amount of effort I put in effort, and time yeah. and value. I can stop. But if I don't think about the money and I go yeah. on, yeah. I end up with this piece, like this really, mm. like it, it mm. doesn't become about the money anymore. It becomes about me challenging myself to take it to the yeah. next level. Like, so, mm. so I overextend. Not because mm. I'm expecting more money from it or I'm expecting more reward. Yes, actually, no, that's a lie. I am respecting more, expecting more reward. The reward is my own. I look at this piece mm. and I go, this, this piece could be so cool. Mm. I've basically been paid, given some money to Do this take my thing. talent <laughs> to the next yeah. level. Someone's paying yeah. me. To take it to the next level, I'm not going to give them ten thousand rands no. worth of work. I'm going to give them fifteen thousand rands worth of work. In fact, I might even go all the way to eighteen because you know if you're measuring it from a monetary point no. of view, you know, mm, um, mm, mm, I'm mm. pushing myself. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No art. I, I don't know. I've lost my track, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I think that's the beauty of it. We don't. We don't. We don't necessarily need a track when it comes to art. You just kind of express yourself and well, and it was around, it, it was about the inherent value, like the the, mm. the value that, like the you know, making the monetary, monetary value, value the, the moment. Yeah, mm. monetary value, and you know, art. Art for me has been a, a, a journey of self discovery. It really has. It's been a it's a process by which I've got to know myself. And in fact, uh, if I'm honest, honestly. I could be much 
better acquainted with myself if I applied myself even more to it. And I still have a long way to go. There's so much mm-hmm. about the process of making art. There's so much pro there's so much about the creative process. And even now, right now, at this juncture in my life, after 20 years as a professional, I've realized how much more lies ahead. And sure. and I really yeah. look forward to it, you know? I really do I think- because it's it's like self revelationary stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a on a beautiful note to actually close the conversation to end with that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Adrian, it's been it's been really lovely talking to you. I think we could probably go on another hour and just continue. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. all have things yeah. to do. And maybe there'll be a second episode in the future. But oh, I'll well, definitely yeah. try my absolute best to come visit you in December. But uh, yeah. for all the people listening um, we will be posting all the links to Adrian's website, social media, so that you can go and see some of his work. If you want to go have a look at the list of galleries where his work mm-hmm. is exhibiting at the moment or contact him for commission, you can do that as well. But thank you so much for your time, Adrian. That was that was so lovely. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been yeah. a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it could go on for another hour. Um, yeah. Yeah, feel free to yeah, give me a call. We can do it again. Yeah. Well, Amazing. Sure. And to all the artists out there, don't don't give up. Have a little bit of faith. Put in the work and you never know where it will take you. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think we can, we can call it there. For everyone listening, thank you very much for this hour and a little bit that you have given us. And we will see you next time. All right. Bye.